Alrighty, alrighty, you guys can go ahead and have a seat. I know there's so many good memories. How do we choose from one? Alrighty, mine was, I used to go to the pumpkin patch when I was a little kid and they had these little like cutout things that we would put our heads in. It looked like little Cabbage Patch Kids at the time. Do you guys remember Cabbage Patch Kids? They had this little painting, anyways. So cute, and they had the best pumpkin donuts. Do we, do we have places around here that have pumpkin donuts? Oh my gosh, you guys are missing out. Best pumpkin donuts ever with like cream cheese glaze on the top. Oh, I gotta find a way to remake it because they don't have them here. So we gotta find them, but they're so good. But okay, so before we get started, I just wanna take a moment and just pray. Um, I felt like, you know, when I was preparing for today, I just felt like God was like, I want you to just pray over the people that are going to be there today. So if you don't just mind just taking a moment with me, and we'll just bow our heads really quick. God, I just pray that you would provide whatever is needed today. Whether the people that are here today are in need of friendship, whether they need reassurance, whether they are need, in need of healing, maybe they're in need of a miracle, maybe they're in need of finances, maybe they are in need of a word of wisdom from you, Lord. Maybe they're in need of guidance. Whatever this room is in need of today, God, I just pray that you would be the provider, that you would meet us right where we are, whatever it is that we need. And God, I pray that whatever it is that you want to say through me today, let that be said. So we give this morning to you and this day to you. We love you and we thank you that we get to come together freely and worship you every week with other like-minded people who want to worship you and seek you and be filled up with you every week. God, we thank you for this community in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Wow. What an awesome week, you guys. I was so excited to see um, all those entries that came in from uh, on social media of how people were already connecting with their neighbors. And we've already connected with some of our neighbors before this. One of our favorite things that we do is that we, um, every time we move into a neighborhood, we will go around and bring a little picture of ourselves, and usually some baked good. Sometimes, you know, if you're not good at baking goods, it's okay. Walmart cookies are just as good. <laughs> but just to let people know your name and that who you are. Sometimes if you're maybe on the Shire end and you're like, I don't know if I can like knock on my neighbor's door and like say hello yet. I don't know if I feel that comfortable. Maybe you just like knock on the door, you just ding dong ditch and you leave a, <laughs> you leave your cookies and you let them know, here's my name, here's my number. And actually like uh, if you look on your chairs, there's a little purple um, little neighbor tag there that we've been doing since for forever where if you guys can take that and you can just leave it on your neighbor's doorstep and let them know that you're there and you want to meet them. So that's one awesome thing that we have been able to do and it has started a lot of um, great relationships and also worked out really well when we went out of town and we needed someone to take care of our dog. <laughs> so it was like really great. Um, but like Taka said last week, we did pass out those black um, magnets that you guys can take and you can look around your um, eight neighbors. So it should be the ones that are on either side of you. And depending on if you're in an apartment or how your, wherever, however your neighborhood is set up, it's either whoever's across the street or across the hall, maybe the neighbor above you and below you. If you're in an apartment and you, you're like the man and friends that's always 
poking the broomstick on the ceiling to tell your neighbors to be quiet. Um, you know, we want you to get to know the people that you will most connect with in your area. And so we want you to do a couple of things with those. First, we want you to get to know their name. So there's like three little lines. First, let, just let, get to know their name. Second, maybe just a little arbitrary detail about them. So this neighbor has three kids or a dog named Larry or they like the Packers, which would be terrible, but <laughs> one arbitrary detail about that neighbor. And then the last one is we want to get to the point where we know their hopes and their dreams. We want to know about what they're worried about and how we can pray for them. So on each neighbor's, uh, we want to get past just the names. We want to build relationships. So as time goes on, we want to have three lines for each one of those. And if you guys are here, um, let us know after service, maybe some things that has happened you know, this week, if you've connect connected with your neighbors, or if you're online, go ahead and fill out in the chats as well. We would love to hear some more stories because God is already moving um, so this week, we want to talk about some of the barriers that come between us getting to know our neighbors. And if we're really honest, one of the biggest barriers is time. Now, Taka and I used to lead a discipleship program back in the Midwest, and we used to um, take our students. One of the things we did was we'd take our students on missions trips every year. And one of the things that we would do before we would go on our missions trips was we would take months to pray specifically for our mission trips. And we would pray, God, set up divine appointments for us. God, help us to, you know, have great conversations with the people that we meet on our mission trip. Help us to be, you know, so loving and, you know, just help us to do. So we would spend months just preparing for this. And it was one of the coolest things with so many great stories from that. But we got to thinking, we're like, what if we didn't have to go across the world to have a divine appointment? And what if we could speak the same language? And what if we poured in that same amount of energy and prayer into the people that live right next door to us? What could God do if we decided to shift our mindset to impacting our neighbors the same way that we would someone across the world who we wanted to bring hope to? Our neighbors need hope too. And so how can we do that? And how can we be looking for those divine appointments? Because they're already there. And what if we have viewed our neighborhood as our divinely appointed mission? And just even in our everyday comings and goings, that is the time allotted to make an impact. You don't have to set aside hours and hours every day to go see your neighbors. But what can you do in your day to day? to make it a part of your life. So the big question is, I know a lot of us are probably asking ourselves, how am I gonna find time for one more relationship, let alone eight new relationships with my neighboring houses? And trust me, I get it, life is full, and every new stage of life brings a new challenge. You think when the next stage comes, it's gonna be better, and it just isn't. It just has new things in it, right? And the reason we started doing this is because years ago, there was a study on the minimum amount of time to spend each day on some things that our culture would call really important things or things that we should all strive to achieve. And that would be sports or exercise, sleep, personal development, reading, meditation, healthy eating, finances, downtime, and relationships. Are you tired yet? Thinking about all of the things that our culture says we need to build into our daily routine. But if we did everything that culture told us, all of those things, if we tried to fit all of those things into our day, that would be 30 hours worth 
of things to put into our day. I don't know if you guys know how to do math. Like, I'm pretty slow at math, but pretty sure that's six more hours than we actually have in a day. And so it can feel really overwhelming and like we'll never have the time to do the things we know we need to do. But I think the truth is that sometimes we have set unrealistic expectations for ourselves about what life should look like and how our time should be spent. And I'm telling you, Pinterest does not help, right? <laughs> Pinterest has, you know, on every single area, all of the most perfect things that we can be and strive for and try to be and achieve in our life. So time is the biggest obstacle that we need to be, to overcome, to be effective neighbors. In 1979, Christopher Evans predicted that technology advancements would give us a 20-hour working week and retirement at 50. I so wish that was true. <laughs> I would be so close, right? But there was a time when we would, someone would call you and you'd be out of the house and that they would just have to wait to talk to you, right? Or you would call someone else, and they weren't home, and so it's like, well, I guess I'll call them tomorrow. And we didn't think anything of it. But now things are a little bit different, right? You can just text someone, and we expect an immediate response. And if we, we don't get an immediate response, we're like, oh, my gosh, they're so mad at me. Something's going on. And the truth is, like, maybe someone was just, like, going to the bathroom or, like, watching a movie or something, right? But now it's everything's so immediate, right? Then, you know, later after that, then pagers and cell phones and all of these things, all these technology were added to us. And we used to be able to leave, you know, our work and our desks at the office. But now it's like, especially during COVID, we've had to learn and adapt. How do we work from home? And you can even work on your date night or in the bathroom or watch a movie. You can work from anywhere. It's a blessing, but it's a curse, right? Because it... We used to have time to breathe and think and dream and be in those in-between moments that we used to just have where we got the space because nothing was immediate. But now everything feels immediate. And social media does not help with any of that because it lures us into that trap of comparison. And like I said before, those unrealistic expectations about what we should have and be. We all sometimes in this season think that we need to look like fall exploded on our front doorstep. And so we spend hours and hours going out and picking out fall decorations and stressing about if we have made the Pinterest perfect fall decorations, right? That's, you know, maybe you don't care about fall decorations, but maybe you, you know, whatever, you have like, you see your friends going on vacation and you're like, they've gone on 16 vacations this year. I don't know. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I should be going on vacation more. We can start to think that our there's something wrong with our life or we need to be adding more into our life or somehow something's wrong or we're spending our time wrong because we're not hitting all of these unrealistic expectations that we've added into our life. And it steals our gratitude, it steals our joy, it steals our peace. And there was, a, there was a German sociologist named Hartmut Rosa, I hope I said that right, but writes, he writes in his book, Social Acceleration, A New Theory of Modernity. And he describes a paradox of a world in which the more apps we download to, the stream, to streamline our lives, the more overloaded we get. And I think, honestly, it's no longer a paradox. We're there. The more apps we have, the less time we have on our phones. The tempo of life has increased, and with it, stress 
and hecticness and lack of time, in almost every sphere of social life, there are enormous gains of time by technology. However, most of us feel like we don't have any time. So what is the problem there? I think even, even today, I think there are people who've said, I don't have time to go to church. I have too many things to do, too many things to see. But yet, we have time to get on TikTok, and we have time to scroll the social media. We have time to, of all things, get on our neighbor app <laughs> and argue with our neighbors, right, about leaving their trash cans out for too long. Come on. <laughs> you know, these apps are adding stress and hecticness, hecticness to our life. But what if we flipped that script? What if we changed the expectations and decided that if, what if prioritizing God was the excuse that we use to miss all the other things? I'll say that one more time. What if prioritizing God was the excuse that we use to miss all the other things? Come on, you probably didn't want to go to that 16th party this week anyways. <laughs> You're probably tired and you needed a break. What a better excuse and be like, I have to go worship God. I'm sorry. I need to be at church on Sunday. <laughs> or I'm really sorry. I, I have an appointment. And that appointment is prayer time with the Lord, asking him what he wants of you, right? It's not just church. It's asking, does he have our whole heart? Does he have our whole life? Does he have our time? Does he have our comings and our goings, our values, our choices, in our time, does he get the first say? And so there's three myths that I think that we believe will keep us from prioritizing our time well. And the first one is we all think someday things will settle down. Now, any of you who are parents of small children who have gotten a little bit older will know that this is a total lie. Because <laughs> I thought, I remember thinking, oh, when my kids were little, I'm like, they need so much attention. I have to watch every little thing, make sure they're not sticking their fingers in the light sockets and <laughs> all of those things. And I'm like, just when they get a little bit older, I'm going to have a little bit more time because they're not going to need as much supervision. No. Now they're in high school, and if you have children in high school, you know that you are now a full-time chauffeur until they get their license. You are a full-time cheerleader for all of their sports and their musicals and choir concert and band concert, and you have to take them to see all of their friends. And then you're also a tutor and a mentor, and you're all of these things, and you do not have more time than you had when they were toddlers. You're like, oh, I just wish I could go back to the time when it was simple and they just were watching Veggie Tales. You, know? <laughs> you wish you could go back, but that time does not come back in any other way. You have to make the time in any season. Or some of us were just like, oh, I just need to get through this season. I just need to get through fall. I need to get through this season where there's more parties. But parties are going to pop up every season. They're going to be there. It has to be a pre-choice. The next one is more will be enough when we purchase XYZ, and then we'll be able to prioritize more of God. So we might think, oh, you know, once I get this bigger car, we'll all be able to get into the same car together and come to church together, and we'll, everything will be fine. Or once I get this phone, it'll make me more productive, and I'll be able to do more things, and I'll have more time for God. Or we think, you know, in our case, we're like, oh, we'll buy a house. We'll have more time to have parties and things, events at our house. No, I'm telling you, buy a house, they said. You'll have more time, they said. No, because you're always mowing the lawn or fixing something or whatever it is. Buying things will not give you more time. It just doesn't work. 
And the next one is that everybody lives like this. But the truth is, they don't. And there are some people out there with boundaries who prioritize God. And what we like to say, they tithe their time. So some of you have heard of the principle of tithing your finances. Well, tithing your time is the same thing. God says, whatever you give up for me, I will multiply back to you. And somehow, I don't know how it is, kingdom math is like backwards math from earthly math, but everything I've ever given back to God, he multiplies back to me. Doesn't make sense. I shouldn't have more time when I give a lot of time to him, but somehow I always have what I need to do the things that I need. Because when I prioritize him first, he lets me in on all the things that I should be ordering. He orders my steps. That's a verse that you can find in the scripture too that says, he helps me to order my steps. And so we tithe our time and we give it back and God multiplies it back and helps us to have a more full life. And I think, you know, this year we were all given the perspective of what should be added back in our life more than any other time of our life. We all kind of went through a time where we couldn't do anything but sit in our houses. If we were lucky enough to have that privilege to be able to sit in our house and work from home, we were lucky enough to do that. And we had the choice to what we were going to add back into our lives. And I, or at least I hope you took an inventory of what am I going to add back in our life. Because I know some of us, it probably was like things started opening up and we're like, oh, yeah, just jump right back in to the way things were. But I hope that we took a moment to say, what actually do I not want to put back in my life? And what am I going to actually take off that list or minimize on that list? And I really hope that prioritizing God and his purpose for your life did not decrease on that list. Because I know there's a lot of people who did this year. But I hope for us we can reevaluate and go, God, I actually want you to be on the top priority of my list. So time is the biggest obstacle we need to overcome to be effective neighbors and to fulfill our God-given purpose. And part of what we have to fight for in our lives is the intentional, disciplined pursuit of less. Not a vow of poverty. That's not what I'm asking you to do. But a vow to have less clutter in your life. Because when you clear the clutter, you have better relationships and you have that space for living and for gratitude and for creativity. Now, this year we decided that we were going to purchase a home. And, you know, I think Taka mentioned we are from the Midwest. And so um, houses are so much cheaper there. <laughs> it's so much cheaper. It's so sad to look at the prices, like going back online and seeing how cheap everything is. But we've been renting here for, for as long as we've lived here. And we just decided we were going to buy a house. But for us, that really meant downsizing, actually, to be able to own a home. But we felt like it was an investment we wanted to make. And so we did. We, we went from a five-bedroom house down to a three-bedroom house with, like, literally half of the space. And so we had to go through this intentional process of getting rid of clutter and stuff and being like, do we use this? Do we not? Do we use this? Do we not? And I can just tell you, honestly, it was the biggest gift to have less stuff and less space because I, I have to spend less time maintaining all of that junk that I didn't even care about. Right? You guys know that feeling of like the good feeling of like cleaning out your closet and going, I didn't even know that was there. So glad it was gone. Just get rid of it. There's such a joy and a gift and having less, less stuff to clean and maintain. And in our lives, I think it's time for some of us to go, can we downsize to create that space? Can we downsize? What can we downsize? Because with an abundance can come a deficit of attention. 
right? The more space that we have. I remember um, one time when I was a kid going to visit my dad's friend who had this gigantic house. It was just the two of them living in this, t- this huge house. And you would go into different rooms, and you could tell that they never even used the rooms. There was so much dust. Like, there was a thick layer of dust. And I'm going, why do you even need that room? You don't even use that room. But with the, with the abundance of stuff, there is a deficit of attention. So today, we just want to ask, what gets the most of your attention? And how can we take an inventory of our day and our time and asking ourselves, what do we find ourselves maintaining with our time? So Jesus shared an example of Mary and Martha. A lot of you probably know this story on whose attention was in the right place and who was maintaining things that didn't necessarily need to be maintained in that moment. And here's what it is. It's in Luke 10, 38 to 42. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted (coughs) by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details, but there's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. So Martha was just distracted doing busy things. She was focused on what other people were doing. She was like the Karen of the day, talking to the manager, Jesus, and being like, excuse me, can you tell her (laughs) what to fix? And Jesus is like, mind your own business, okay? Some of us need to mind our own business. We're spending too much time in everybody else's business, just saying maybe we can eliminate that. (laughs) Um, Anyways, I digress. But Jesus didn't say that what Martha was doing was bad. She was making dinner. We all got to eat. It's a good thing. We all are going to have meals. But what he said that Mary chose the better thing because we're always going to have meals. Meals are going to come three times a day for the rest of our life. But she had a limited amount of time where God was living on earth there with them. (coughs) I'm sorry. I need to take a drink. Don't mind me. Talk amongst yourself. (laughs) Okay. So she had a very limited amount of time where God was living on earth. And instead, she chose to focus on making the meals. And Jesus is like, we'll eat. It's fine. We'll get there. But Martha, just like, focus on what matters. And sometimes I can be like Martha, and I kind of miss what's going on around me. I tend to be a single-focused person. And if I'm, like, really honest... Um, If I tried to apply for a job right now, I feel like I probably wouldn't get it because one of the questions they always ask you is, are you a multitasker? Are you good at doing two things at once? (laughs) The truth is, I'm the worst. I am the number one worst at doing two things at the same time. I can only focus on one thing to my detriment. Taka gets so annoyed with me because he's like, he'll be like giving a life lesson to our children. And I'm like, somewhere, (coughs) oh my gosh, sorry, somewhere off in my own world, like thinking about whatever, or I'm reading something, and like literally, like the most important life lesson is happening right next to me. And he's like, Isn't that right, Natalie? And I'm like, What? 
what? <laughs> like literally right next to me. And he's like, gets so fr- so frustrated. I'm like, yes, whatever you want. Like he's he could literally get me in so much trouble if he wanted to, getting me to like say yes to and promise things because I'm always off in my own world daydreaming or thinking about something else. And so anyways, I don't know about you guys, but I can tend to be a single focused person. And I think sometimes it's that way with God and he's waiting for us to like snap out of it, right? (laughs) To be like, hey, look around. I know you're focusing on this one little thing right now, but like take off the, take off the blinders for a second and look around, be a noticer. And we always, we talk to our teams around here a lot about being a noticer. When someone walks in, we want to notice. Do they have kids? Do they need help? We want to notice who's around us. What can we do to notice? And unless you're one of those people, like Taka, who notices like every detail the moment you walk into a room, there are, some of you exist out there and I am not one of them. Taka is, that's why we work well together. But unless you're one of those people, it takes intentionality to take a moment and take the blinders off and expand our view. And so for some of us, that means we need to begin drawing better boundaries in our life. So for example, when we come home, the laptop stays in the bag. Or when we have dinner, phones go in a box. We used to have this little box that we would all go and put our phones in when we would have dinner. Now we just, the kids have enough like self-discipline that they can just put it away, and we know that there's no phones at dinner, right? Um, We take to-dos that are not urgent, and we just say, they'll get done sometime. If it's urgent, let's do it. If it's not, let's be together. Let's choose to take off the blinders and be noticers. Because if you're waiting for the to-do list to get done, I mean, you will literally go to your deathbed with more things on your to-do list. We will never get everything that ever needs to be done done even to the last day we are alive. But when we get to that day, there's two things we're going to wish that we had done more. Spend time with God and spend time with people. And all of us know it, and we always get caught up in everyday life. It's normal. It's human nature. And that's why we set priorities in pre-choice choices. This is a talk of phrase, a pre-choice choice. So before we decide what we're going to do, we make the choices to make sure we can make sure that that happens. So we practice the art of intentional prioritization. Now, there's a story that Stephen Covey used to talk about with the story about rocks. And it was a story of a grandfather who was trying to teach his grandson lessons about priorities. And what he did was he had three different size rocks that he wanted to put in this clear vase. And he said, the most important things are the big rocks. The medium of importance things are medium size. And all of the little extra things are sand granules. These are things that don't make very much difference in life. They're just fun things or extra add-in things. And so he said, what do you think would happen if we put in the sand first? Do you think it would fill up? Well, could you get all of those things in? And the little kid was like, yeah, let's try it. So they try it. And of course, the sand fills up to a huge percentage of, of the glass jar. So then you can maybe fit some of the medium ones in, but once you've done that, there's no, way, there's no room left for the big priorities. There's no room for the big rocks. So he said, the way you have to do it is you put the big rocks in first, then you can stack on the medium, and the little things can fill in the rest of the cracks. So we have to learn how to prioritize what matters 
most. Order of priority is really important. And Jesus outlined, outlined this in Matthew 14, 28 through 31. And one of the scribes had come up to him and was asking him what's most important. And he said, of all of the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all of your strength. That's a lot. And the second is this. Love your neighbor. Oh, my gosh. You guys, I'm having issues. <laughs> Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So if our heaviest rocks, I, I know this is a bold statement, but if our heaviest rocks are anything other than God first, family second, and our neighbor third, our priorities are out of whack. And I think if some of us were really honest with ourselves, it's probably more like sports, TV, work, friends, like then maybe family, then maybe, you know, sprinkle in some Netflix, some social media, and God is the last. We've put God in our sand category. He's our extra instead of being the first thing that we look at. And so we have to be aware of our time stealers and our purpose stealers because we can live for the temporary or we can live for God and our purpose on this earth. But we can't do both. We have to put the right priorities in first. So here's the challenge is to practice the art of elimination. Now, how many of you like the Marie Kondo show? Have you guys seen Marie? Oh, my gosh, she's my hero. I love her. <laughs> she's adorable. Um, but she does these amazing episodes where she teaches people how to eliminate clutter and junk from her life, from your life. And she often talks about making peace with things that no longer spark joy in our lives. And so she's like really cute about it and sweet. And she's like, thank you for serving me in my life. You had a great purpose at one time, but I no longer need you. And then she like thanks it and like throws it away. <laughs> and I'm like so thoughtful and so sweet and so intentional. But I think for some of us, maybe that's what we need to do. We need to look at things in our life and go, you know, maybe at one time that was that brought me some joy or maybe at one time that was good for my life, but it no longer serves a good purpose in my life. And so thank you and goodbye, right? And we need to look at, you know, maybe we've just done some things because it was ritual or habit or it impressed somebody else. Um, or maybe it was this old group of friends we used to hang out with and now we know that those friends no longer are good for us. Maybe we know that there are things that we used to do that no longer serve our purpose. And so we need to just say, thank you for being a part of my life. I'm going to move on. And I'm not just talking about getting rid of things that brought us some temporary joy because Yes, Marie Kondo gets rid of stuff, and stuff is one thing, right? But some of us have traded out some things that should be our top priorities so we can have a little bit of momentary happiness. And the things that we need often take time to maintain. They just do. They may not be new or flashy, but they're crucial, and they form us. We need our family. We need people who are going to lift us up. We need people who are going to help keep us in line when we start getting off track. 
We need time with God. And those things take time to maintain. But they form us. When Michelangelo was building the statue of David, they asked how he would decide which parts of the rock to carve off. And he, he said, the way that I made this statue is I just cut off every piece that wasn't a masterpiece. And I think sometimes we forget that our life is so important. God is wanting to make us into a masterpiece. You are not just some fly-by-night, extra throwaway that God put here on this earth. He is making you into a masterpiece, and he wants great things for your life. You are not a throwaway. And so how can we say, God, with your help, how do we create our life into a masterpiece? What are the priorities that you need to make sure get the best of you and form you into the person that you know God's calling you to be? So I think it can be really easy to push those things into the margin. But ask ourselves, will this matter on my deathbed? You know, we always say with our kids when they're arguing, we like, will this matter in five minutes? Will this matter in five months? Will this matter in five years? If not, only spend the amount of time on this that it's going to matter. So if this matters in five months, okay, take five months and work on it. If this isn't going to matter in five minutes, don't it, give it five minutes and then move on. But if something matters for a lifetime, let's give it our life. So how can we structure our time to give intentional time to our priorities? Well, Jesus showed us some really healthy rhythms for his life. Even when he had crowds and hundreds of thousands of people following him everywhere he went, literally everywhere he went, there was a crowd. He made intentional time to get alone with God. We need that too. We need Sabbath. We need time alone. We need a special time to dedicate just to him, just to hear from him. Other ways that we can do this is that we, Taka and I, know that our relationship matters. So we take a, a weekly date night. Um, we have a family night with our kids. I, I know that connecting with God, like nature makes me closer to God. So I get outside. I try to find ways to be outside, things to do outside, because I connect with God, and I usually see my neighbors when I'm outside. So what are the things for you? What are the big rocks that go in first? And maybe God might be asking you to give up something to make room for those main things, and here's how you can start. Just very simple steps. One, add your neighbor to your prayer list. Ask him for divine appointments. Pray for your neighbors the same way you would pray if you were going on a missions trip. Ask God to create moments. And then next, do something simple. When you go outside to take your trash out, because everybody has to go outside to take their trash out, just like go a little bit slower. Look around. Maybe your neighbor's going to be out bringing their trash out too. Everybody has to bring their trash out. So wait a couple minutes. There might be someone who walks by. There might be somebody who says hi. There may be, you never know what's going to happen. So just wait a couple minutes. Just kind of hang out. I know you might feel a little awkward sitting by your trash can, but just take a little bit of extra time pulling it to the curb, right? Just wait for a minute. Or maybe you choose to take some time and be in a place where you're going to play with your dog. If you have a dog anyway, you're going to play with your kids. If you, you have kids, 
Maybe play outside or read a book outside where some people are going to pass by and just notice when they go by. The last thing is then introduce yourself. So like I said, we've systematically found a way to introduce our way to our neighbors by baking cookies or whatever. You guys can come up with whatever works for you. Give them a little card with your photo. Um, if, you if you don't have the courage to yet to just walk up to somebody, you can do it like that. Or maybe you do have the courage and you're, you can just notice their dog. You have a cute dog. What's its name? You know, or I love your shirt. It's red. I like red. Whatever. <laughs> Find something to connect with your neighbors. And it does not have to be profound. You don't have to be like, this day at the Lord, you are worthy and whatever. No, you just notice something about them and start small conversation. And then um, the last thing is, um, we've talked about this before, but we do not condemn people celebrating Halloween because we know it's the one day a year that your neighbors are going to come to your house. Like everyone comes to you. So, on that day, we're like, be home, be there, and greet your neighbors. Say hi to them. This is like the perfect opportunity that you're going to get to say hi, to give them something really that's going to bless them. Don't give them something dumb. Get like the best candy. <laughs> you want them to remember you, right? We don't want to be like the Christians that gave them like the whatever nasty gum that's like hard that you can't chew it. Don't do that. Anyways, get them the good stuff. Let them come to your house. Something that we do that we've, our, our neighbors in our old neighborhood actually really got to know us through this. Um, but we would always have a big movie screen up and we would put our fire pit out on the driveway. And we would have s'mores and hot chocolate and it kind of forced our neighbors to come in and sit down with us for a minute. And they loved it. There was people who were like, oh my gosh, I, I lived overseas and I only saw s'mores in the movies. And so this is like the coolest thing ever. And they were like having their very first s'more with us. And it was so fun. And so that is just one way you can do it. Do however you want to do it. You don't have to do what we do. However you want to do it, make intentional ways to connect with your neighbors. Um, and then next week, we are going to have little pre-printed invitations that you can give to your neighbors to invite them to our little pumpkin party. It's not like, like I said, it's not going to be like the biggest bash you've ever seen. But first, before you give that to your neighbor, tell them your name. Introduce yourself. Because we don't want the first thing to be something that is like this big, huge step for them. Just take a small step. It doesn't have to be a huge step. Take a small step. And then you can have the courage to do some of the bigger things, some of the things that matter the most. So as we leave today, I want you guys to ask yourself these three questions. One, God, what do you want to speak to me about how I spend my time? Two, what is the next step you want me to take? And three, what are the main things you want me to focus on? And I think as we ruthlessly eliminate that clutter, we're going to find so much creative energy. We're going to find these creative ways to connect with the people that matter most. And we're going to be able to walk into that purpose that God has for us even more than we could have ever imagined. So before we head into worship, I just want to close in prayer and then we'll head into that. God, I thank you for every person who is here today. You do have purpose. Not a single one of us is a throwaway. 
And not a single neighbor that we have is a throwaway. They are all people that you created for a relationship with you and for purpose. And so I pray you would give us the eyes to see our neighbors with love. Would you allow us to see our neighbors the way you see them? Would you allow us to have the courage to step out and begin a conversation? God, would you give us divine appointments this week to be able to be a voice of hope to our neighbors? So, Lord, we say yes. Whatever it is you ask of us, we say yes. In Jesus' name, amen.